I will speak to you in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Good morning. Happy New Year. Let me say it one more time. Happy New Year. I don't know about you, but I've been looking forward to saying Happy New Year since around the end of March last year. Of course, the arrival of 2021 certainly hasn't made everything better yet, but this new year certainly brings a whole lot of hope. Hope for change, hope for more vaccines, and hope for some kind of return to something that might feel again a little bit like normal, if you can still remember what normal felt like. 2020 was the year that all of this began, and God willing, this new year of 2021 can be the year that it all wraps up and goes away. That at least is what I am praying for. I'm sure all of us spent a good portion of last week reviewing the year that now's passed. There's no need for me to talk about that from the church's perspective. I've certainly done it enough in sermons over these past nine months, and I will have to do it again at our annual meeting next month. So let's just suffice it to say that churches all over the world and all over this country, all over the city, are also looking ahead with hope in this new year. Like everyone, we are ready to set New Year's resolutions, to wait for a little change, and to get back to work. This was all on my mind this past Friday when Audrey, Aoife, and I made our long drive back home after our annual Christmas visit to family in Kentucky. This year was, of course, a good bit different, as I'm sure it was for everyone. We only visited this trip, my daughters and my parents, and we wore masks and sat at a good distance when we visited my two older grandmothers. There was no Christmas dinner with our greater extended family this year, and there was no New Year's Eve visits with old friends. But regardless of all of those changes, it was still wonderful to be able to see my family in another part of the country. And as usual, we made one big giant circle as we traveled throughout the southeastern United States. We started our trip last Sunday north from Jacksonville almost exclusively along Interstate 95 through the city of Atlanta, Atlanta, Chattanooga, and Knoxville down to uh, home in Kentucky. And then we took a completely different route back home via Interstate 40 over to Asheville from Knoxville, down Interstate 26 toward Charleston, and finally picking up good old Interstate 95 towards Savannah and back here to Jacksonville. We always prefer that latter drive, but occasionally just to speed up the trip and get started, we go the former, hoping and praying that we will not get stuck in traffic through Atlanta. Either way, it takes us around 10 hours to drive that trip each way. And I have to say that the older I get, the less excited I am every year when I get in my car and make the travel. But that's how most extended trips and journeys can be for all of us, isn't it? It's always worth the effort in the end, but it's never easy when you start, especially when you travel by car. Still, to get from one place to the other, time and effort is always required. Travel is unavoidable, and sometimes the longest of the journeys can produce 
the greatest experience, the fondest of memories, and the most remarkable life-changing discoveries. And remember, I'm a guy who met my wife during a long trip over to the country of Ireland. I think I can make that statement with solid evidence and absolute proof. This morning, the final Sunday of the 12 days of Christmas and a Sunday that, as I've already mentioned, can easily be called Epiphany Sunday because of the gospel lesson we just heard, I believe we can all take our own greatest, most memorable journeys, travels, and wanders and apply them to the story of those great magi traveling to Bethlehem from the far distant east. For these wise men, the three kings from the Orient, following the brightest and best star of the morning, as the hymn proclaims, are examples for the followers of Jesus today of just how incredible of a journey it can be when God is the one who's calling us to get out on that road and to seek him out. Now, we know this story of the Magi quite well, but I have to tell you, I'm always amazed at how something new catches my attention when I read it again year after year. For really, this is one of the most unique stories of the entire Gospels and really of the whole New Testament. Nowhere else do we get such an odd tale that begins in such a faraway place, literally and spiritually, from the place of Judea and Israel. These magi are nothing less than pagan astrologers and sorcerers, most likely journeying from Persia in what is modern-day Iran and possibly coming to the West from the ancient religion of Zoroastrianism. As we hear it again, we have to remember the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, is Jewish texts. It's written by Jews who, even in the New Testament letters of Paul and John and Peter, when the faith was becoming what will eventually be called Christianity, is totally founded still in first century Judaism. To have these strange occult mystery priests appearing in a Bible story to proclaim that the child Jesus is the Jewish Messiah is, as I've already said, one of the most unexpected and downright strange moments in all of Holy Scripture. Yet, here they are again, right at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, following a star that they have found in their constant gaze and study upward to the ancient heavens. Was this star the conjunction of the planets of Jupiter and Saturn as we ourselves watched occur this year on the evening of the winter solstice? I don't know. But something very much like a planetary celestial convergence must have been what foretold to them this great messianic appearance. And so the gospel this morning tells us these royal soothsayers from Persia are somewhere farther away set off on a great journey to find just what the signs that they had seen in the sky told them was about to happen and impact the entire world. And what a journey it must have been for them. I always love to go back around this time of year and read one of my favorite poems from one of my favorite poets, T.S. Eliot. He tends to capture this travel perfectly in his poem entitled The Journey of the Magi. Eliot writes... A cold coming we had of it, just the worst of time of the year for a journey, and such a long journey, the ways deep and the weather sharp, the very dead of winter. 
and the camel's galled, sore-footed refractory, lying down in the melting snow, there were times we regretted, a hard time we had of it. At the end, we preferred to travel all night, sleeping in snatches, with the voices singing in our ears, saying that this was all folly. I don't know about you, but there have certainly been trips that I've decided to take, that about halfway through, I've run into terrible traffic or road work or bad weather, and I've thought to myself, this all must be folly. Why did I ever decide to do this in the first place? This is how T.S. Eliot is envisioning the Magi, and he must have been absolutely right. For a hard journey, it certainly must have been out in the desert where nights are as cold as the days are hot and the land which they traveled to Chloros was totally unknown. Yet just like the trips we choose, even when the traffic stops or is detoured, these kings of the east did not turn around. Whatever they had been seeking out in the stars must have been that powerful to keep their journey going. And when they finally get close, they even stop for a visit to the present Jewish king supported by the Roman Empire in Jerusalem at that time, King Herod the Great, to inquire about this new king that they're seeking. They most certainly did this not so much to speak with Herod as to connect with the Jewish astrologers and priests they knew would have kept Herod's company. It is this visit that gets them that final bit of Jewish prophecy they need, setting them on the final leg of the trek to Bethlehem. And that arrival into Bethlehem must have been, as I imagine it to be, like when you arrive at Disney World after coming through Orlando. As grueling as the drive down Interstate 4 can be, and through all the madness and traffic of Orlando, when you finally get to those gates and you see Mickey Mouse standing there smiling at you, it just makes you feel like it's all worth it. At least it does for me. It's like being a child again. And if you have children with you, all of the cursing you may have done before you got there goes away quickly. And for the wise men, this is truly what they traveled themselves to experience. And so the gospel says, they set out and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. The Bible tells us at that moment they enter into that house And they see Jesus for the first time in the arms of his blessed mother. And they are so moved with ecstasy that they fall to their knees and they begin to worship him, giving him those three great gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These gifts tell us that upon finally seeing the tiny child they had sought out, they immediately realized that he is exactly what they were looking for throughout that long journey. Maybe even he is exactly what these spiritual priests have been seeking out their entire lives. And so they unpack and present to Jesus the gifts that if you read them the right way, can identify who Jesus is at that very moment in which the three kings see him. For they give him gold, which is the gift of a true king. They give to Jesus frankincense, which is the symbol of a true God. And they give to Jesus myrrh, that which anoints every human being who must face death as well. 
And after that, they climb back onto their camels and they start their journey back home. But this time, they travel on a different road. They do this to avoid King Herod, but they also do it, I believe, because they've been completely transformed by everything that they've seen in this journey. This, brothers and sisters, is the story of the Magi. And it is the great epiphany that was first revealed, not just to Jewish shepherds gathered in the fields at night, but to great spiritual priests and kings of a completely foreign land and a very different spiritual path. It always reveals to us that Jesus was not just born to be the king of the Jews, but he was born to be the Lord of all creation, the Prince of Peace for both the Jew and the Gentile. But there's also something incredibly personal for all of us who are right now, whether you know it or not, taking part in your own great spiritual journey. For we too have to be like these magi. God has revealed to you and to me in Jesus Christ what he seeks out for all of humanity. And we have been called to seek out that transformation as well. We've been called to get out on the tough road of a religious faith and of a prayer life, which isn't easy in the hardest of times and certainly doesn't make us powerful, culturally resonant or successful in the easiest of times either. But we are called to follow that path because we have seen the Christmas star that God has set before each and every one of us. And we are drawn by it to get closer and closer to its source, closer and closer to Jesus, closer and closer to God. Now, I imagine that all of you have had your own moments when you suddenly feel the chills going up the back of your arm and you know that you're in the presence of God. Maybe it's in the church. Maybe it's out there. Maybe it's in an encounter you've had with someone else. And I bet when you've had your own time, when you've been in that moment that you yourself have felt drawn to fall to your knees to give homage and prayer and worship. If you've had that experience then there can be no question that the road you traveled once it was over was a different road that changed you. That road can never be the same route you traveled to get there because once you give your own gift to Jesus, the only gift we have, which is the gift of our heart, then the road we travel in our spiritual life is forever changed. Brothers and sisters, just like those magi, I believe God is calling us this first Sunday morning of the new year to get back to Jesus. And may we cling to that road above all the bumps, the traffic jams, the road works, whatever this new year sets before us. For as the psalmist writes this morning, happy are the people whose strength is in God, whose hearts are set on the pilgrim's way. May this year be a year of the pilgrim's way for all of us. Amen.